are going to continue with the series in the First Kings. But before we go to the First Kings chapter 10, let us visit first Luke chapter 11, which is a crucial passage to understand First Kings 10. Luke chapter 11, verse 29 to 32. And we have this principle. When we try to understand, when you interpret the Bible, we explain the Bible by using the Bible. This is what we are going to do today. Luke chapter 11 from verse 29. And while the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, This is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. The man of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. Let's go to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 10. Now when the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels and boar spices, very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, and seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and the apparel, his cupbearers, and his entryway, by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and, and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men, and happy are these servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, sitting, setting you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord has loved Israel forever, therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. 
And she gave the king 120 talents of gold spices in great quantity and precious stones. There never again came such abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Also the ships of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought great quantities of almug, wood, and precious stones from Ophir. And the king made steps of almug, uh, wood, for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, and harps and stringed instruments for his singers. There never again came such almug wood, nor has the like been seen to this day. So far reading of the word of God. Beloved in the Lord, King Solomon. I've been going through the story of King Solomon. What is King Solomon known for? He's known for many things. Great wealth he had, which the Lord gave him. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 4, 22, Solomon's provision for one meal, for one day, 30 cores of fine flour, 10 fat oxen, 20 oxen from the pastures, 100 sheep, deer, gazelles, and other animals. He had a thousands, thousands stalls of horses for his chariots. He was extremely wealthy. He was also known for building projects, seven years to build the house of the Lord, and also 13 years, almost 14 or 13, 14 years, uh, he built his own house. He brought the best materials uh, from Tyre, which is present-day Lebanon. But if you choose only one thing, the top number one on the list that he's known for, then it would be his wisdom. Solomon, wisdom, wisdom, Solomon. And he wrote wisdom literatures like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. So all of these things, uh, the Bible, First Kings say, that all these things, his wealth, fame, reputation, and honor, even the construction of the temple, the scripture tells us that all these things were given to him along with the wisdom of God. That we can read about that in First Kings chapter 3. That God asked him, what shall I give you? And he asked for the wisdom. I have given you a wise and understanding heart. And I have also given you what you have not asked, which is riches and honor, so that there shall, be, there shall not be anyone like you among the kings for all your days. And then, right after chapter 3, if you remember, uh, there's a demonstration of his wisdom. Precisely speaking, God's wisdom. All Israel heard the judgment, the judgment toward the two prostitutes fighting over the baby. All Israel heard the judgment of the king, and they feared the king. For they saw the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. So, so far, 
uh, what First Kings are teaching us that God's wisdom living in Solomon was the source of everything. Everything that he enjoyed. Wealth, construction, honor, fame, and administering of justice and righteous, righteousness. And the highlight of the achievement, we will say, I mean, wisdom is the source, and then among those uh, achievements, the highlight of the achievements is the building of the temple, which we heard uh, these past uh, few weeks. And now we are in chapter 10. So it's all about wisdom, how wisdom was given to Solomon in early chapters of 1st King, and then how wisdom was demonstrated through his wealth and construction of the temple. Now we have a different phase of the story that how, if, how the foreigner, even a foreigner, admiring the wisdom of God. We have a visitor in chapter 10, a queen from the south, queen of Shiva. So here's the theme. The queen of Shiva visits Solomon, because the first point, she heard about the fame, about the news, about his wisdom. And she came all the way, and she tested him. And she was literally, I shouldn't say literally, she was blown away by the wisdom of Solomon. And the third point, she ended up, she worshipped the Lord, God of Israel, and also made some important comments about the servants of the of the Lord. So we'll go through uh, some verses verse by verse. So if you can open your Bible and follow with me, they'll be they'll be great. So verse one starts in verse one. Now when the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. And then verse two we read, she came with a retinue, a very great retinue, with camels and bore spices, much gold and precious stones. For little children, retinue means a group of her servants, uh, officers, uh, perhaps slaves too, and assistants, advisors. So, which means she didn't come by herself alone, uh, but with a bunch of people. Uh, that's what happens today too when a president or prime minister visits other nations. Uh, not only the pr president visits there by himself, but he brings his uh, officers. Uh, depends the depending on the purpose of the visit. For instance, uh, President uh, Biden uh, visited Asian countries this past uh, few months and he took his financial advisors and because he had to visit one of the really important advanced uh, computer chip factories in Asia to make a trade deal uh, to, and to promise uh, to invest money. That's probably what happened here. And he says uh, she spoke with him uh, about all that was in her heart and that probably was part of it. Uh, she was from South. Uh, scholars they're speculating that she was in a nation where their profit was mainly from trading with other countries. So she wanted to get some uh, guarantee from King Solomon about the trading routes and so on. So today it is very common for the world leaders to visit other countries. They can just hop on the plane and then just go there in one day and come back 
uh, next day or next week. That is very common. But back in those days, it was not so. It was very unusual for a king himself or a queen herself to make a visit to another country in person. Usually what happened was they sent someone like messengers or ambassadors. But here we, say, we see that instead the queen traveled by herself in person uh, with a great retinue. That he, she traveled more than a thousand miles to see this king. Where did she come from? Uh, we don't know exactly where she's from. The answers may vary depending on who you ask. If you ask Ethiopian Jews, they would say King Obishiva from was from Ethiopia. Or some say present-day Yemen. Uh, we don't know that for sure. But what we know from the scripture is that she came from long distance. We also know that she came from somewhere from the south. How do we know? Because that's what we read from uh, Luke chapter 11. Jesus said the queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. The interesting expression, ends of the earth, means she came far away. Verse 2 tells us that she came not, she came not with the empty hands, but she came with precious golds, uh, precious stones loaded on the camels. Because she was very, indeed, a very powerful woman. She had lots of resource. She probably was one of the most powerful women uh, in the world that day. The fact that she came all the way to Jerusalem tells us, not with empty hands, with all those precious golds and stones, tells us how she thought about this king Solomon. Think about it. If she didn't uh, consider him highly, uh, if she didn't really, she thought Solomon was just nobody, then she wouldn't even bother visiting. She would add, rather ask Solomon to come to her. Or she would, send one of, she would send one of her servants instead. And then we also know from verse 7 that she had a little doubt about him. But nevertheless, she came all the way from the ends of the earth. Now the question is why? Why? A thousand miles to visit Jerusalem. Well, from the text, it's obvious that because she was curious. She was curious not just about Solomon, the person, but she was curious about the things happening in Jerusalem. Mostly, the wisdom, as we read from Luke chapter 11. She wanted to see with her own eyes if the rumors are true that everything that was established in Jerusalem due to the wisdom which was given by the Lord. That's why, that's why in verse 1, it's very important not to skip the word concerning the name of the Lord. She wanted to see that with her own eyes. And it also says in verse 1 that she came with 
hard questions. The important word that we should not miss in verse one is this: the queen of Sheba heard. Everybody in the surrounding nations they all heard about Solomon. The queen also did hear of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. And according to Christ, she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. She came for the wisdom, the truth. In the Bible. You know, in the Bible, Queen of Sheba is not the only one who came all the way to to seek wisdom, the truth. We read in Matthew chapter two that we read that there were wise men from the east. When they saw the star in the east, they came all the way to worship the newborn king. It is interesting both cases. The wise man in Matthew chapter two, and Queen of Sheba, they were somehow associated with wisdom. The wise man, like the Queen of Sheba, came not only with empty hands, but with the treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Both Queen of Sheba and the wise man came to see the wisdom of God. It's obvious. We just read from chapter eleven of Luke, chapter eleven, from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of God, wisdom of wisdom of Solomon, the given by God. And Matthew two, wise men came to see the new baby king with their own eyes to worship the king. But wait a minute, Matthew chapter two doesn't say anything about wisdom, though. It says there were wise men, but it doesn't say anything. About anything that it didn't say that they came to see the wisdom of God, but here's the trick. Later, the apostle Paul calls Jesus Christ the wisdom of God. First Corinthians one twenty four, Paul says, "Christ is the wisdom of God. Christ coming into the in, into this world in flesh, incarnation, God." Assuming human flesh to die for our sin, Paul calls that the wisdom of God. So the wise men, seeing Christ, because they were seeking wisdom, they saw the wisdom of God in flesh. This wisdom of God, speaking of this wisdom of God, is a Paul continues in First Corinthians one is a stumbling block for uh, to, uh, to the Jew and foolishness to the Greeks, because they rejected the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Uh, to be honest, uh, to be precise, they couldn't just uh, understand or accept God's wisdom that how can God become a man and die for sinners? Blasphemy, the Jews said. The Greeks also despised the wisdom of God because they also could not understand the doctrine of incarnation. How can an immortal being possibly want to become a mortal? It is foolishness, they thought. But these wise men from the east, 
they greatly rejoiced when they saw wisdom of God in flesh. And here's the lesson for us. The queen, when she heard about it, the key word, she heard the fame of Solomon, that the wisdom of God was in Solomon to govern the kingdom. She couldn't stop wondering about it. She had to come all the way. And here's a question for you. Christ is the wisdom of God. The queen came for the wisdom of God. What about you? Are you going to do what are you going to do when you hear about not about Solomon, the king of Sheba is about Solomon, but someone greater than Solomon? Well, she came all the way from the ends of the earth. What are you going to do if, when you hear a report? A report. The wisdom of God. The gospel message. Well, in our text, it seems like, uh, as I said, she had a doubt. It was a report. The, it was hard to believe. It was a report that is hard to believe. She was a skeptical, wasn't she? She admits that in verse 7. I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. Yes, we, when we hear something remarkable, the first thing that happens in our heart is that we become skeptical. But she was open to believing the truth. So what about you? According to the gospel news, which we hear every week, Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sin. He rose from the dead, which is very hard to believe. He also promised to us, whoever abides in him will be raised too, which is also very hard to believe. Luke chapter 11, Jesus rebukes the crowd who's seeking a sign. This evil generation, he calls it seeks a sign, and no sign will be given to you except the sign of Jonah prophet. Which means, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man should be in the, in the heart of the earth three days, three nights, and rise again, which is about death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jonah became the sign of the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. He himself is the sign. The Queen of Sheba will rise up in the judgment with the man of this generation and condemn it because she came all the way. But look, indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. Right here in, in, uh, when Jesus was talking about Queen of Sheba, she, he, he's calling for faith. Calling to you Calling you to faith. You know, Shiva is a good example. She moved from unbelief to faith. Just as the Queen of Shiva came to the wisdom of God, we are also called to Jesus Christ, the true wisdom of God. Yes, we may have doubts from time to time. 
but that we also must open our hearts with the attitude to believing the truth. And then we go to go to the second point. She was her, in the, the biblical expression, her spirit was not in her, uh, left her or something like that. So she was blown away by the wisdom of Solomon. Verse 3, so Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain to her. We see the, the picture of Jesus Christ. And Christ also, he was the lawgiver. Uh, he interpreted the law correctly. There was nothing that he couldn't explain. Verse 4, and when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food, the servants, gar uh, the apparel, his cupbearers, the entryway that he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. As I mentioned, the wisdom of God was, was revealed in many areas and in many ways. Constructions, the buildings, the food under his table, the style of a palace, the table, the throne, his servants, and the worship. And after seeing all these things, the Holy Spirit tells us at the end of verse 4, there was no more spirit in her. I really love that expression. There was no more spirit in her. Can you imagine that you, I think it's safe to say that she's a quite a curious woman. Also, she's also a very influential and powerful woman. And it is very hard to see someone in the position to marvel honestly and you can imagine her mouth was widely open. <gasps> Look at the building. Look at those cupbearers. Look at all those food. And especially the entry house, entryway to the house of the Lord. All those beautiful things. She could not stop admiring all those things that reflect the wisdom of God. When the wisdom of God was revealed, her mind was blown away. So in the same way, when the wisdom of God is revealed in Jesus Christ, when the true believers realize how much God loves you, that He sent His only begotten Son to die for wretched sinners like you and I, also, not only He died, but He also rose from the grave that blows away your mind. That's what, is, that's what is going to happen when we see him again face to face at the last day. That's, what we are go that's what's going to happen at the end when we enter the gates of the new Jerusalem. When the wisdom of God is revealed, all those fancy walls and uh, the, the city that's covered with gold and the tree of life, and the river, all the designs, according to the 12 tribe of, tribes of Israel, that we will be blown away by the wisdom of God. So the expression, there will be no more spirit left in us. And then she makes a comment here, verse 8, Happy are your men, and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Happy are your men, she said. She used the word happy. 
That's the same word in the original Hebrew, same word that appears in Psalm 1. The first word in Psalm. Blessed is the man. Happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed all of, all of you servants because you serve him and you continually hear. Again, the word hear his wisdom. The same can be um, told to us or challenge us. Happy are the men who have access to the wisdom of God. Who have access to Jesus Christ. Happy are the men who listens to the word of the wisdom of God. The gospel message. Now we may think, really? Uh, I'm going back to 1 Kings 10. Were the, were the servants, were the cupbearers, uh, were those who take care of all those horses for Solomon, were they, did all the Solomon's servants think in the same way, that they were happy? Maybe not everyone, probably not. How do we know? Because later when um, uh, Solomon died, there was a rebellion. And then people were complaining how burdensome it was to, uh, to labor in the building projects. So they were asking Jeroboam that if you can uh, make our burdens light, they'll be nice. And there's a famous, uh, famous uh, saying that my, my fingers are thicker than my father's waist. And then provoked the, the people and that kingdom divided. From the passage, we know the people were not really happy. I mean, that also that's a little bit complicated because it also has to do with the Solomon's unfaithfulness and his sin. But the point here, for the sake of our text this morning, not everyone, probably not everyone was happy. Well, there were some people, of course, many people who were so happy and proud in the fact that they were serving uh, the most powerful and wi the wisest king on the earth at the time. But not everyone. Probably because you have to do the same thing again and again. Several years, tens of years. All these repetitive things, those who are taking over horses, you have to clean the horses. Cup bears, you have to wipe cups. And then all other things you can imagine. The same thing can be said to us, and, and the same challenge can be asked to us. Are we happy? After all, we come to the worship service again and again every week. Same structure of worship. We listen to a sermon every Sunday again and again. Ah, oh, it's another Sunday. Another sermon. No big deal. So the comment of the queen challenges us. Happy are your servants because they can hear your wisdom again and again. I would rather listen to your wisdom every day. I, I, it wouldn't be boring at all, she would say. But is that true for us? In other words, are we not taking things for granted? Well, that's exactly what Jesus warned in Luke chapter 11. The Jews did not realize how happy they were. How blessed they are that they had Jesus Christ. The good news of salvation first came to the Jews 
and the Gentiles, according to Apostle Paul. But the, some Jews did not appreciate that. That's why, the, that's why Jesus said, the queen of the south will rise up in the judgment uh, in, with the men of this generation who seek a, a sign and condemn them. Because she came all the way to hear the wisdom of God, but the Jews at the time, although they saw someone greater than Solomon preaching to them with the wisdom, they were not happy. Rather, they rejected him and crucified him. Sometimes we see that those who are born in a Christian family take things for granted and fail to appreciate Christianity. But we also see that those who used to be outside of Christian community, they appreciate much more the teachings, the gems, the jewels, jewels, precious stones of God's word, the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's go to the third point. So I'll end, I'll end the second point with the challenge. Are we not taking things for granted? So the final point, she worshipped the Lord, God of Israel. The queen was, was amazed by Solomon's wisdom, and she doesn't stop there. She worshipped the Lord, God of Israel. She blessed the name of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord your God who delights, delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. And then verse 10, she gave the king all those treasures that she brought, 120 talents of gold, spices in great quantity, precious stones, and there never came such abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. It's really interesting that um, this is actually the fulfillment of David's prayer in Psalm 72. Psalm 72 speaks about this. The gold of Sheba will be given to him. Not only the Psalm 72 speaks about the king, uh, the queen, but it also speaks about king of Tyre, which we read in verse uh, 13. Uh, actually, uh, yes, 13. The king of Tarshish, which is Tyre, and the isles will bring presents. The prophet Isaiah spoke the similar language, saying that Gentiles shall come to your light, the kings to the brightness of your rising. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praise of the Lord, which was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2, which is also being fulfilled even now. When the wise, in Matthew 2, when the wise men came, they brought presents. Why? Because they knew Christ is worthy. The queen did the same thing because she knew Solomon, especially the wisdom, is worthy of her tribute. Now, Jesus Christ is greater than Solomon. Isn't Jesus Christ worthy of our best? He deserves our treasures. He deserves our everything, isn't he? He, even our wealth, 
our treasures, our bank account, our time, because it is God who gave us all things that we have. She gladly gave her treasures. And there's a lesson for us. We also gladly give our offerings for the ministry of word, God's wisdom. We do this because Christ is worthy to receive our tribute and His kingdom deserves the best. And we see that Solomon blessed the queen. Verse 13, the king, Solomon gave a queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked, besides what Solomon had given her according to the royal generosity. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. That's the end of the story. In the same way, the wisdom of God, Jesus Christ, he said, whatever you ask in my name, I'll give it to you, according to his royal generosity. Now verse 13 speaks about the earthly treasures, blessings that Solomon gave to Queen. Yet there is a greater blessings waiting for her. We know from Luke chapter 11 that the Queen will receive eternal life. And here's another lesson, the final lesson. King Jesus Christ is much greater than Solomon. Just as Solomon gave the queen everything that she desired, so Christ has promised us to give us much more wealth, the treasures in heaven, if you believe in him and listen to his wisdom. Amen.